Hi, welcome to Missouri Made, the podcast that gives you an insider look at Missouri politics. I'm State Representative Deb Lavender, representing District 90, Kirkwood-Glendale area of the St. Louis County. Today I'm joined by Representative Paula Brown from District 70. Uh, Representative Brown, why don't you go ahead and tell us where District 70 is? So District 70 starts in Hazelwood, uh, Missouri. It runs through Bridgeton, Maryland Heights, Creefcore, Chesterfield, and it encompasses part of St. Charles. And you were newly elected this last year, and this is your first year over here. Mm -hmm. That's correct. We're going to talk a little bit about environment, um, changes in our climate, warming, cooling, a little bit of all of the above. Mm -hmm. But I've brought you in today, and I want you to speak just a little bit about what you know is going on in your area that I think is still, fortunately, relatively unique in Missouri. You've got some radioactive waste in your district. I do, and we had a big announcement yesterday, actually. This is great timing. Um, um, I live in the area and represent um, Westlake Landfill and Bridgeton Landfill. Uh, Those of you who know Westlake Landfill know that it is the Superfund site that houses uh, Manhattan Project Radioactive Waste. And then the Bridgeton Landfill, we are infamous because we are on fire. We've been on fire for years. And we have no idea of when the fire will stop. Um, so we have two very unique uh, situations going on. Both landfills are owned by Republic Services. Um, yesterday, uh, well, sometime six months ago, a consent decree was uh, signed by the, uh, represent- the federal representatives and senators that there would be a cleanup. So we are going to get a right. cleanup. It's going to cost about 206 million dollars yeah yesterday the announcement came that the three companies responsible for this cleanup will be uh coker uh bridgeton landfill which is republic and the department of energy so that was finally signed on yesterday um so it's just like another step towards truly having some cleanup starting to happen right but they decided when they they decided that more testing needed to happen, so they will be drilling more boreholes to figure out where some more of the radioactive material is. So right now, the, the consent decree says that they're going to go at least 16 feet. Um, the boreholes are going to allow them to find areas where they can go deeper, and they are willing to do that, which is a great thing. Um, we hope to have at least 70% um, of the mess cleaned up. We just began the planning stages as of yesterday because they had to wait and and do the PRPs. So two and a half years is what the timeline is now to create the plan to get this cleaned up. What has always amazed me in super fun sites across the nation, not just the one here in St. Louis and Missouri, but across the nation, is there seems to be between a 20 and 30 year time span between when we first knew it was a site worthy of super fun site, which is horribly polluted, most likely with radioactive waste, mm-hmm. and cleanup. Right. And it's just never ceases to amaze me that it takes us 20 to 30 years to clean up people's backyards where we know there's radioactive waste that's causing <coughs> cancer and causing um, deaths at a higher level than normal around the area and that's interesting it's almost if you talk to a counselor it's almost like going through a grieving process Um, first we deny that it it really happened 
And that seems to be a really long period of time. And then we get the process of, okay, it's here. Um, let's do a little testing. Let's do it. But there's always this piece of let's test as little as possible. Mm -hmm. So a really unique situation in this area is this area is next to Bridgeton ball fields where myself and generations of kids yeah. grew up playing ball next to this radioactive site. So when they went and tested the ball fields, they literally took a two-inch sample. Oh, my goodness. And tested and said, oh, the ball fields are good. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's not on the surface. It's buried in the latest test. Um, I think it came out about a month ago that the groundwater has been contaminated. They yeah. have finally admitted that. Yeah. So I think that's also driving the need for more boreholes. If there's going to have to have any remediation for the aquifers and, and the other ground uh, water sources, it would be nice that they could clean it up all at once. And I, so I certainly support creating a plan that we do it once. You know, measure twice, cut well, once. Sure. So. Sure. I just wish, and now I'm speaking more as a nation, mm -hmm. we would recognize that these sites are... I'm going to say plentiful across our nation. They are. And that when they are located and somebody raises a flag and says, look, we've got a higher incident of cancer happening in this location than outside of it, that we need to act much quicker for the people of our state, of our nation, to get this cleanup under, undertaken. And, and quickly, because what has happened is they also don't understand the issues during the cleanup. There will be dust it will be radioactive right. dust. Um, people will be put in harm's way. Um, I happen to have a subdivision called Spanish Village that sits right on top of the landfill. I mean, yeah. it's backyard up to the thing. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting piece that Bridgeton has had six children diagnosed with neuroblastomas, yeah. which is Unheard different it, it is. And, yeah. and we've lost children yeah. to neuroblastomas and... Yeah. Um, it, it's so important that when we do, when we talk about these remedial sites, that we also make sure that everyone who goes to their doctor requests the autoimmune blood test to make sure that they don't have an autoimmune issue okay. starting. Because most of those cancers do start with an autoimmune issue, okay. and then it becomes a cancer issue. Okay. Um, so there's a way to attempt to at least living inside of the circumstance to try to be a little proactive for yourself and your health. There is, however, they don't always want to order those tests. Yeah. It's kind of an expensive blood test. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it should just be made the battery of blood tests that you get on your well checks. Right. That's something for right. a different day. Right. So. Well, thanks for representing that area. I know you've been a good voice for the people in that area to move this cause forward, to move the... Um, issue forward and getting it cleaned up. I'm glad there was a good announcement yesterday for you, and I'm hoping that things continue to plod along as historically we show happens, but that indeed at some point in time in the future we'll be able to say that this site has been cleaned up. Yes, we will. Good, good. Well, the other thing I want to just mention on a little bit is this whole thing about climate change and global warming. Um, there continues to be a lot of conversation with it. There continues to be resistance to the facts that our climate is changing, both here in Missouri and around the world. I'm so sorry it's become a political issue. 
not exactly sure when we decided Democrats thought this was happening and Republicans did not think this was happening. I think that's probably put our planet in peril. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly am somebody who believes scientists who says that we are warming and we're warming at a trend that is unsustainable. Um, I have concerns that sometimes television shows will have an expert science who says it is, and then they'll have somebody else on the panel who says it isn't, and that we feel there's parity in who supports what position, almost like we're split even even, and we're not. You know, for every one person who probably says this is not happening, you probably have a thousand scientists who say, yes, it is. And yet when we pick one from each side and put them on a TV show, it looks as if the science, the data is still out. And indeed, we're not having this happen. We have to stop thinking that science is a liberal conspiracy. Yeah. We have to get that out of our head. Yeah. Um, and just because we have one person on one side of the issue and one person on the other side of the issue doesn't mean... I always question the person who says no, what are their credentials? Because we're not often given those credentials. Right. Um, I'm always going to believe the scientist. Uh, well, and I period. think our farmers and our state know that over the last 20 or 30 years, the climate has changed. They know that their growing season is longer. They know they're dealing with different bugs. They know that water, oh my goodness, a year ago, we were talking earlier, a year ago, northwest Missouri was in the height of a drought. And we were horribly concerned about the drought. One of the first things Governor Parsons did when he became governor a year ago in June, so he's almost been in office a year, was declare an emergency and truck water up to the northwest portion of our state. You know what's happening to that portion of our state today? They're underwater. So in less than a year's time, we've gone from severe drought to flooding and uh, severe flooding. This wasn't a little extra water. No, this is, I took a drive down 70 just to sort of get a picture of it. My husband worked the 93 floods Yeah. on assessment. And so, damage assessment. So I just wanted to get a peek at what it is. And there are places where the levees have failed that we have catastrophic yeah. um, flooding. Today. Today. Yeah. Um, and several areas have it to the level that it was in 1993. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed that while farmers are privy to a, a longer growing season, when they can get their crops planted. Right. Um, I know that I actually represent several farms down in the bottoms land mm -hmm. on the, along the Missouri, the Missouri. River, mm -hmm. and um, they're not planted. Right. Well, Maybe they're they not can planted just... this spring because of the heavy rains, the right. flooding, and, you know, we might think in six or eight weeks the flooding will go down and things will dry out, and then maybe with the longer season they can get a crop in, but it's just then you have to worry when we're thrown back into drought. And so yep. this this back and forth of too much and too little is becoming much more normalized, not just in our state, but across our country. I, I think our farmers are doing the best that they can with what they have. We've been discussing uh, confined animal feeding organizations on our floor, this or in committee and on the floors these last couple of weeks. 
And you mentioned, go ahead and share with me some of the good things that we know that these uh, farms are doing. So some of the really good things is we know that that a lot of these CAFOs is how we refer to them um, when we're talking about them on the floor, have reduced their uh, methane emissions by almost up to 50%. That is a great thing for greenhouse gases, yes. etc. We also know that some of them are moving to technologies that use a um, the deep pit systems versus the lagoon systems. One of the issues with the lagoon system is that they turn over, which creates a problem. The other issue is if it floods, back to the flooding issue, right. those flood, then we have the issue. Right. Whereas the deep pit wells and um, are work much better. And we do see lots of farmers going more to those deep wells. Are deep the pits. deep wells, deep pits protected from flooding? Yeah. Um, they are because they are drained, and I'm not going to try to even be the expert on yeah. what they do with manure, but that manure is, like, separated out, and then it's used back on the crops mm -hmm. that they plant to feed their animals. Right. So they have sort of this little self-sustaining yeah. yep. thing, and, you know, some of the farmers actually have treatment plants on their yes. property because they're worried about pollution as right. well. Right. We have to also stop thinking that farmers aren't concerned about pollution because oh they goodness. are. They certainly are. And they're, so they're doing things to move in that direction. Well, and I'm going to say, and this is, I'm saying this very positively, mm -hmm. they're doing things for two reasons. It is helping them contain their cost. Right. They're self-contained, so they're going to be able, and they're certainly doing it because of the pollution aspects. Um, we talk about runoff of nitrogen and phosphates. Well, nitrogen and phosphates are what everybody puts on a plot of land to make it grow better. Right. Whether that's coin, soy, or grass. Right. So these issues do occur across our state. But it is the phosphates and nitrates that are coming down at the bottom of the Mississippi and the New Orleans Gulf that's creating a dead zone for plants and I'm going to say sea creatures, you know, the animals in that area, that there's not oxygen that can survive in that. Right. And so that's the runoff. We talked on the floor the other day in St. Louis, or perhaps in committee, uh, St. Louis had a very large problem with sewer runoff and sewer overflow. And we've actually voted on uh, an increase in our uh, metropolitan sewer district fees we will be doing $4 billion of infrastructure improvements and repairs to better deal with the runoff so we can better handle those pollutants being run off on our property. Um, and it also saves the people in New Orleans because we're right. not sending all of our right. stuff downriver. Right. And to everywhere, Memphis and all those different places right. that run along that system. Um, and I'm going to say where we know farmers aren't going to put fertilizer down up to the fence line, they're going to make sure it's targeted to their growing field. What if this spring somebody had put their fertilizer down and then they got flooded? They'll know better than I do. It occurs to me that some of those phosphates and nitrates, having been just put on the land, are now in the water and now are being rinsed into the streams. Maybe, I think you had some numbers earlier, way less than might have been done a decade ago, but still some of that concern with the flooding that carries some of these pollutants into the streams. Um, it could be. Back to my issue for my district. Yeah. We have, when it, when it floods there on the Missouri, it backs up other streams. 
in our area. Yes. And I'm sure it does it all over. Yes. So we have a Cowmire Creek is what it's called. It backs up right up to the landfills. Yeah. And so if that's backing up all along the Missouri, we don't, it will eventually recede because the water, I mean, Mm -hmm. the soil can't absorb it all. So we don't know. It's picking up. Not only is it picking up the stuff from the whatever fertilizers the farmers have put down. Some farmers are putting down the manures, which are at least organic. Right. Other farmers have to use the the chemical sprays and things like that. And I understand that they need to make sure that their crop is good and and healthy, and and I understand that. But there is, we're never going to know what that looks like um, unless we send testing out right and ask maybe the department of natural resources right um to test that it might be a good thing if they did that just because they could work with a conservation department yes and make sure that our animal species right aren't in danger right um in our streams and you know a lot of our we have lots of folks not just in the rural area but in the in the the bigger cities st louis kansas city who like to go hunting who like to fish, mm-hmm. and who actually provide food for their family that way. Right. And so we would like to think that those animal species um, are renewable, that we don't kill off a species, but also that they're healthy right. and safe to eat. Right. Um, I would never, I would, that's a little concerning to me. Right. But So that runoff, when we can't run it off, and it backs this way, and then it goes back into mm-hmm. the river, it's going to cause a problem at some point. Right, I think so. And, and, most all of us are downriver from somewhere. The St. Louis, what we also have is a large Ameren electric coal plant, and you have coal ash, and the ash is stored in a floodplain. And, you know, we just, and then we fight about whether or not we should do that instead of figuring out the best way to move the coal ash from the floodplain. And that to me seems that we just spend too much time arguing with each other. It's okay, it's not okay, it's okay, it's not okay. Instead of just looking for, well, what do we do now? Can we move it somewhere? What's the cost of it? What's the the viability of it? Let's look at that and see for all of these issues. Do we have, I mean, we have places where we don't have settlements that we could build structures that would, higher ground that doesn't see, that doesn't have an issue of flooding. Um, that we could protect people from the coal ash. I think so. Um, There's solutions, and, and Missourians are smart. We're thoughtful. We, um, I don't know that thrifty is the right word. We look from an economic perspective of, okay, we need to do that. What's the best way to do that for the least dollars with the best results? We're very resourceful. Uh, University of Missouri, especially uh, Columbia, the, the ag portion of it, they're doing some research. They're looking into these things. We want farmers to be supportive. We want them to have the best possible um, potential for not just production of food, but their own profits from that. Okay. Um, I know so many of our farmers in Missouri are still uh, are in poverty that it's hard to compete with the bigger farms. I want to be able to make sure that all farmers have good opportunities in our state to be able to produce products that are sellable. Right, so. I, I agree with that completely. Um, as a legislator, as a freshman legislator, I have so much more um, respect for our farmers. They work hard. Um, it's the largest business we have in our in our state. Yep. 
And well, interesting, a legislator from a couple of years ago who was in healthcare from St. Louis argues with farmers sometimes that healthcare is the largest industry in our state. Every once in a while, I like to put that little plug in. Uh, ag has been touted as the largest industry for years upon years upon years. But every once in a while, I have to wonder if healthcare hasn't indeed pushed them out. But well, let, let's say it's nip and tuck. Okay, and you know what? Let's let's talk about that minute for a minute because I think areas like mine have probably contributed to health and care industry, right. unfortunately. Because of the poor environmental record that we right. have in your district, definitely. Right. So, and that here's the thing, that record extends to all of North County. Yes. Um, yes. We have the Coldwater yep. Creek situation. We have the airport situation. Um, Laddie Avenue is is hardly uh, a desired place to be. Yep. If you check DNR's maps of places that are now being tested and um, investigated, it is overwhelming. I yeah. would recommend anybody yeah. go to DNR and find out how many places are being yep. investigated for toxic pollutants not just radium radium but other kinds of toxins so well representative brown i forgot to tell us that this was thursday may 9th we have six days left in session it is almost two o'clock we started on the floor this morning at 10 we've been in a recess and the bells are starting to ring to call us back up to the floor for what i'm going to think is going to be a moderately long afternoon still on the floor we need uh, we have some budget bills most likely coming to us that Mm -hmm. will pass Uh, We may or may not be here tomorrow to make sure the budget is complete by 6 o'clock tomorrow night. As per the Constitution, it tells us we need to do. And so I appreciate your being here. We certainly didn't come up with answers. We've talked about a wide range of topics today regarding our environment. And appreciate your time um, stopping in and, and talking with us today and look forward to having you again. Thank you for having me. It was very enjoyable. Thank you. Please subscribe to the podcast. We'll have a new episode each week. Follow me on Facebook and on Twitter, at Deb Lavender. We'll have a website for you where you can find all of our episodes, videos from the Capitol, and more. Thank you for listening.